is the University of Michigan. Touchdown, Michigan! And they caught extra pass. And it goes for the win! The three-pointer by Jordan Poole! Down the sideline! Peebles Jones! Touchdown! All right, welcome back to Blue by 90. We are here today joined by Clayton Safey of TheWolverine.com. Clayton, how you doing? Good. What's going on, guys? Uh, glad to be here. Awesome. Awesome. We're doing well. I know, um, you know, we actually have some some actual news about Michigan football coming on right now, yeah. right? So um, right now in the news is uh, Michigan kicks off at 730 at Minnesota for week one. How are we feeling about a night game on the road for Joe Milton in game one this week, boys? Jay Millie's time to shine. I can't wait to see it. National television. I mean, it'll be ABC, right? Do you think it'll be – I mean, that's their primetime game. Maybe that's game it. day will be there. Yeah. I don't know. That's true. That's true. It could be. I think game day is going to be in uh, East Lansing for Rutgers, Michigan State. So. <laughs> hey, hey, they might, you know. That'll be a fun game to watch either way. Yeah. <laughs> But can you guys picture the the game? Like I was trying to picture it earlier. So night game, we finally know the white uniforms. I I assume the white pants. It's mm-hmm. it's gonna be weird. Number five, Joe Milton back there. I'm trying to picture because 12 days away, it doesn't quite feel like it. I don't know. It feels like it never was gonna come, but here we are. Today, I know, that's that's the weird thing. We didn't really know if the season was gonna come, and it was kind of postponed. And now it it doesn't feel like the normal hype because we're coming. Normally we're coming out of summer, getting ready for the fall. But now we're already in the fall, and it's a delayed start. So, I don't know. I'm sure next week, once Monday hits, I'll be like, okay, it's game week. It's time yeah. to go. But, uh, yeah, it hasn't, hasn't quite hit like normal. Mm-hmm. Today helped a little bit that we finally got, like, a game time. Um, that, that It was like there was – I was on social media on Twitter, you know, in and out today, and it was like there was some buzz finally about mm-hmm. about Michigan football and just like college football in general, especially in the Big Ten. So that definitely helped. Um, what do you guys think about like, okay, obviously Michigan football on the road in prime time has not gone well, right? It, it Usually Michigan lays an egg, especially, you know, this is kind of like – uh, 2018 at Notre Dame, right? I think we've talked about this a little bit before, um, but like new quarterback and Shea Patterson at Notre Dame night game. Now we have new quarterback Joe Milton at Minnesota night game, ranked opponent, all this stuff. No crowd, which should help Michigan, I would say. Definitely advantage because um, it's not going to be that hostile of an environment. But do you guys see this possibly – not going well for Michigan like it has uh, in the past? I don't know, man. With Bolton at quarterback, I've got – obviously, I've got high expectations, which I, I feel like a lot of Michigan fans do, which is not a good thing. But uh, <laughs> hopefully he lives up to them and, and we have a, and we get a W out of it. I mean, Clayton, obviously, you're a lot closer to the program and have a lot more information than we do. I mean, what do you think? Yeah, I mean – like I was saying, I almost can't picture it. Um, but at the same time, yeah, I was thinking about this earlier almost. I love that Notre Dame comparison um, where if Michigan wins, and I, I think that they're going to win a close one. That's kind of my prediction, and, and we'll do predictions on our site next week. And I'm thinking somewhere in the range of a 7-10 to 
10 point win. Um, at the same time, if they lose that game, which is certainly a possibility, which was your question, is it possible that they, they don't go in there and win? I, I think it's certainly possible. And I think that it is going to be similar to losing that 2018 game at Notre Dame in that the country's eyes are going to be watching now that we know it's a 7:30 game on ABC with what probably Fowler and Herb street and those guys calling the game. So, um, they lose that game and it's going to be meltdown. If you guys remember after that game. Oh yeah. Cause they were coming off yeah. the 2017 season too. And 2019 <clears throat> wasn't as bad as 2017, but you had a disappointing year. You got blown out by Wisconsin. You lose to Penn state, Ohio state bowl game, same old story. Um, so it's going to be the same thing where it's going to be disaster for probably a week until they uh, beat up on Michigan state. And then, you know, I mean, 2018, they won 10 straight games after that. So I yeah. think it's going to be a similar story. I love that comparison. I definitely think a disaster is possible, but I also expect Michigan to win again. Like, I don't know what to expect out of this game, but we'll see. I mean, it's the nature of the game, I guess. And we know that Minnesota is not a team to look over at all. I mean, this is flex, what, fourth year, fourth or fifth year. We yeah. saw what we did with Western. We saw what Minnesota did last year and their two best players are returning. I mean, I don't know. I, I was talking to the guys last or two weeks ago, and I'm shocked that right now we're ranked higher than Minnesota is. So I'm interested to see what the spread will be for that game uh, going into it. But yeah, I mean, we'll see if Milton can pull it off. That'll be a huge huge uh step in the right direction for that season well that would also just be a great way for him to start off his kind of michigan legacy right Mm -hmm. i mean if truly joe milton doesn't have any starts and virtually no playing time if he stepped out and won what is becoming a huge game at the start of his career that that would honestly make me as a fan feel like amazing right what what was your expectations just from you guys be let's say Michigan wins by 14, like 35 to, um, I don't know, 21. I guess that's 14. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> Quick math. Then it's then it's sky high expectations, right? Especially if Milton looks really good. I mean, yeah. there's no Michigan fans will definitely not overreact either way, right? We'll definitely <laughs> stay, you know, even tempered and just kind of you know, realize that it's his first start and it could, you know, no matter what, it's not going to be. Uh, you know, one or the other, either he's re- really good or really bad. Yeah, right. Right. <laughs> it's going to be what's going to happen is if he comes out and throws three or four touchdowns and Michigan wins by, you know, double digits or even just wins the game, everyone's going to be like, holy shit, Joe Milton for Heisman. This is a revamped offense. Uh, the sky is the limit for Michigan and him. If he comes out and lays an egg, and even if he's like, decent you know throws a couple tds maybe an interception um around 60 percent completion percentage basically what shea patterson was if he's like shea patterson people are going to be like this is you know what it's it's terrible this is going to be awful like it's just going to be it's a it's a classic michigan fan you know situation here where it it's going to be overreaction on both ends no matter what happens which is interesting, too, because I'm really at this point expecting very middle of the road QB play in this first game. I'm not expecting Joe Milton to throw like six, like 80 yard bombs for TDs or something. Right. 
I'm expecting him to maybe throw some passes that made me go like, wow, that guy has some potential and also throw some passes that raise some eyebrows. So mm-hmm. I'm going to try to temper some of my expectations, even though my inner fanboy is like going off. But, uh, <laughs> you know, I think we got to ex- approach the game, you know, with tempered expectations. Mm-hmm. For sure. For sure. And although that's going to be so difficult, obviously, after all th- the things that are coming out of camp and coming out of practice is like, you know, and it's coming from his teammates and his coach and all this stuff. So, like. I know that Michigan fans always create the hype, but now those guys are, are like, you know, fuel to the fire. It makes it really difficult as a fan it, to just like sit there and not be hyped up. So we'll see. The other part of that is it's going to be, I looked at the weather today. It's going to be 38 degrees with 20 mile per hour wind gusts. That's what it's predicted for right now. Obviously weather changes. We're, we're 12 days out still, but you're, you're looking like, at the last day of the forecast. <laughs> literally, literally, you know, like so see, hopefully the weather, yeah, it's not like the weather that. changes like two days out, let alone 12 days out. Dude, I'm but pretty still, sure at that point, the weatherman's just flipping a coin. hundred percent. But if, but if like, Milton has the wind, in what 20 mile an hour i mean he could throw oh, the he ball throw like, it 120 yards 100, right? yeah. yards. Those mountains over there. yeah. <laughs> 10 yard line he's gonna be throwing it out of the back of the end zone on the other side <laughs> right. dude that's the other thing too the game's at 7 30 so how many beers are you gonna have in you at that point i know i'm gonna have way, way too, too many. many i'm gonna just be going like joe milton like in my living room <laughs> i saw that Maybe tweet more hype at that, that point yeah justin <laughs> okay. Yeah, I saw that tweet. I I think I voted like pretty high, but or, or, or <laughs> but um, if I wasn't covering the game, I won't be there. But I'll be covering it from home with limitations. If I wasn't, I'd probably have uh, quite a few in me. But yeah, yeah. <laughs> just disclaimer. Go... My employer's listening, so it's got to go two waters for every alcoholic beverage. You'll be golden. There right. Yeah, it'll it'll be I mean, that day from when I wake up in the morning till seven thirty is gonna feel like, you know, three weeks, right? We're gonna be just amped up for that. So that'll be exciting. Um we'll see how it goes, obviously, but uh we're I mean, we're twelve days away. It's real. This is here now and we're excited. We're like to the season, boys. We've made it. It's been a long road, but um yeah, I I, I don't know about you, but I was just like as soon as I saw that, I was like, holy shit, we actually got some football to watch. I mean, this is incredible. <laughs> so, um, so yeah, I, uh, let's move on to kind of what we, what we were saying as our first down. Um, so, you know, Clayton, you have, you've analyzed the, the team a little bit, right? All, all mm-hmm. summer and in part, it's like, usually you're saying all summer. Now it's like most of the fall as well. Right. So right. you've probably been covering this for, you know, obviously since, uh, since January 1st or whenever they played their last game, but, mm-hmm. um, throughout the summer and fall too, um, let's talk about the position groups because I know there's been a couple position groups that have gotten a lot of love. I think that the wide receiver group has gotten a ton of love. The linebacker group has gotten a ton of love. And then there's some, some, uh, spots that have not gotten so much love. So, uh, my question is to you all, we'll do a little round table here. What position group do you guys think will be the strongest at Michigan this year? And what position group do you guys think will be the, the weakest where we're going to really struggle? Clayton, go ahead and start. Okay. Yeah. Strongest for me, 
I'm going to go running backs here. And I thought about this because you sent out the topics before. Um, and I was thinking, okay, you look at the receivers, and I know, like you said, everyone's high on the receivers. Um, but there's some concern there. Is there really much concern with the running backs? I know they probably don't have that elite guy that's going to be like a you know top, you know first round, second round, third round pick. Um, maybe down the road with a Zach Charbonnet type of guy. Mm-hmm. But you have four different guys that can play there: Chris Evans, Hassan Haskins, Charbonnet, um, and then Blake Corum, the freshman, who everybody's talking about as well. Um, so I like that group right there. I think there's absolutely no concern. They all can play a different role. I'm excited for Chris Evans. I've been higher on him than uh, most guys throughout the offseason. A lot of people thought he'd come back. You know, is he going to be in football shape, uh, which is a, a buzzword. But I think he's going to be. I mean, that's a that's a kid who kept himself ready, I think, in the last year. I mean, uh, all he's had to do is work out. So he better be in pretty good shape, right? I'd say. <laughs> exactly. I think he's going to be. And... So everyone's going to play a different role. I like the receivers, but I still have some concern with how they're going to replace Nico Collins. Can Ronnie Bell be the number one outside receiver? Uh, linebacking core, I mean, if you count Josh Uche last year as a linebacker, that's a big loss. Uh, Kalik Hudson was kind of that steady guy at the Viper spot. I love Cam McGrone. Josh Ross is solid. He doesn't have the, a ton of speed and athleticism. Um, but that's similar to what Glasgow gave you last year. So I like those guys. Um, but there's kind of concern with, how you lose the the pass rushing there from guys like Hudson and Uche. Uh, I just don't have much concern about the running backs, and that's why they're my pick. All right, Kalen, go ahead. Yeah, I I honestly wholeheartedly agree with you pretty much on both. Um, The only reason I guess I wouldn't say running backs is I agree that they are very strong, but I think they have to deal with an inexperienced line, which could kind of come back to bite them maybe more statistically than anything really. so while I agree with you, I really have no answer for who's the strongest outside of them. <laughs> but uh, in terms of weakness, I guess I would try to dance around it a little bit and not not go with the popular ones and say the secondary or something. I would say maybe like tight ends, just because I haven't really heard too much about the tight ends. Um, I mean, we got some guys who can do some stuff. Don't get me wrong. It's just I haven't really heard too much about tight ends and maybe you know something that I don't and you can kind of educate me a little bit more it is it is an interesting thought though because all you hear about with Josh Gaddis's offense is speed and space so how does a tight end like Nick Eubanks fit into speed and space right I, so I think it fits in really well if if Nick Eubanks is going to be who we think he can be um we've seen kind of flashes of it in the past but when you think yeah. back look at Josh Gaddis's offenses at Penn State Um, they were a speed and space type team, but they always had a really good tight end. Penn State always has a really good tight end. Alabama, the same thing you hear about the uh, receivers, but a big X factor in those offenses has been the tight end. He's always been a tight end um, offensive coordinator with, you know, it's not double tight end. It's not two tight ends, but he uses them well. So if Nick Eubanks, I thought I didn't love his blocking last year, um, which is obviously huge, but He's athletic. He can get out. You know, he's no like Kyle Pitts for Florida, who's just dominating um, down there. But I think I, I like him at tight end. I, you know, Eric All is a guy who is under the radar, who could be a breakout candidate this year. So I'm excited about those guys. They don't have a ton of depth, but those two are going to be big names. And we'll see because we I mean, we didn't see it with Sean McCune, to be honest. So uh, you're you're absolutely right to have some doubts about those guys. 
Yeah, I'm not a big Sean McCune guy, and I, I expressed that all throughout last year. But Eubanks, I loved Eubanks. Eric Hall is a freshman. I think he, he, I think he's got a lot of talent, and he had a lot of meat to put on his bones. So I'm, I'm very excited about what he can do this year. Um, well, isn't so yeah, Luke Shoemaker is still here too, right? Pretty good. Yep, yep, he's still there. Um, but I guess if I'm going for my strongest group, I know uh, Clayton. You kind of mentioned linebackers a little bit. I'm excited to see what Josh Ross can do coming back from injury. Mm-hmm. We know it sounds like Michael Barrett is going to be the Viper, and he's just, I mean, he's been an athlete. They've been kind of he's been trying to find a position for ever since he came in. Mm-hmm. And then we know what Cam McGrone's done. He's got he, his last season was similar to uh, Bush's first breakout year. So I'm curious to see what Cam McGrone can do this season. So that. I mean, obviously, like you said, the running back room is just stacked. We know the wide receivers are solid. I'm really excited to see what the linebacking core can do. And I want to touch on the running backs real quick, too, because we've mentioned this, you know, it seems like two years ago, but I think it was in the summer we did a little running back preview. Um, And I mentioned, like, it seems like all these other teams, and I say other teams, but, like, teams that do really well, the Clemsons, the Alabamas, the – you know, Clemson has Travis Etienne, who's an absolute stud, and he gets 20, you know, 20 plus carries a game. Najee Harris went for five touchdowns the other night uh, for Alabama. Like, does it bother you? Because it bothers me a little bit that we do this running back by committee, and I'm hearing Josh Gaddis and, and Jay Harbaugh say, "Yeah, uh, Blake Corum's going to get some some carries. Chris Evans is going to get some carries. Charbonnet's going to get some carries. Haskins, how many?" There's only so many carries to go around, so how is one of those guys going to get into a rhythm and really feel like they're going to, you know, dominate or see the holes? Or that I think that you really have to four running backs that actually going in. You know, I can see running back by committee as as in two, you know, and rotating in and out because I, you know, most teams do two and maybe three with a the third guy doing, you know, uh, a, a lesser load, but like. If we're really doing four four guys rotating in and out, do you guys think that that's going to work, or is it, is it going to be like nobody even knows who's going in on what play and like they can't even get a feel for the game? I I'd be shocked if there's more than two guys getting real reps. Like I think they'll narrow it down to. Mm-hmm. I mean, shit. I don't know, man. Who are they going to narrow it down to? I know. Now that I'm thinking about it, but I don't think Quorum's going to get that many reps. I think I think that might just be talk. I mean, he's a freshman. What's the point when we've got a room so stacked? Save his eligibility. Maybe put him in. I mean, he's got four games that he can get a little bit of playing time. Like, put him in in like garbage time against other teams. For him to get real reps, is Jay Harbaugh saying that just to like keep him around or something? I don't know. I thought this was a free year virtually in terms of eligibility. Yeah. Yeah. So why not play guys like Blake Corum and get some of those guys some extra reps? I don't know. Because don't know. we got I mean, three other guys that are yeah. like, I mean, it's just like, it's one of those things that I think that, and I, I don't mean to like go down this road too far, but like, you know, at Alabama, at Clemson, it's like, you got to earn those reps where it seems like Michigan kind of hands those out just to see who can do it or like kind of pity reps sometimes to like have a kid hang around or like give him something that he's earned. And in my opinion, I'm I'm like, dude, if Zach Charbonnet is as good as advertised and he's been good when he's been healthy, he should be getting all these reps, you know? And like, I know I'm not saying Hassan Haskins is bad. I think Chris Evans is great too. I think they're really great running backs, but like 
you got to go with your number one. If you think he's your best chance for the most yards on every play, you got to give him as many reps as possible. Two things on that. One, I think that um, we are going to see that a bit. I, I think Chris Evans is going to play a little bit in the slot too. And Jay Harbaugh has talked about that. I think Blake Corum yeah. can kind of do the same thing. Maybe a change of pace type guy or a guy that flares out of the backfield and, and is able to catch some balls. Maybe he plays like the true Wilson role where he comes in for 10 snaps and gets like yeah. two touches a game or something like that. So they've always used a few. At the same time, I, I agree with you that it's coach speak in a way. They don't know how it's going to play out. If you go back to that 2017 year, not to bring that year up too much because it kind of <laughs> sucked, but um, everyone coming into the year thought it was going to be split carries between Chris Evans and Karan Higdon. That's the year that Karan Higdon became that workhorse back for Michigan. And Chris Evans kind of took a step back as a sophomore um, into more of a situational role. So we don't really know how it's going to play. I agree. You one guy, you can get at least like 15 carries to. Yeah. Um, I think it'll mostly be a two headed monster between Charbonnet and Haskins. You're going to see Chris Evans quite a bit situationally. They could use two backs at times. I mean, I know he did that um, at not only Alabama, Josh Gaddis, but also at Penn state with the backs that they had. So you're going to see different things. I think this offense is going to look a little different than it did in years past, but they're going to use them all. He said Blake Corum's going to play. Now, what does that really mean? I going to play be, could be five plays, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And and I think he deserves that probably if he's uh, as good as advertised, but we'll just have to see how it plays out. I think a lot of it is coach speak. And, you know, because in a game, let's say it's a tight game at Minnesota week one, you're not going to, like, have some quota for, you know, Blake Corum to come in and, and get a certain amount of snaps. Right. Ro, yeah, I think what you're touching on, too, is very much been a huge problem at Michigan as well, which is we haven't really found our it guy, right? Like a yeah. lot of these other he- schools that go on to win, uh, they have like a guy that they can give the ball to. They'll be like, oh, we're in a pressure situation. Just throw it to him and we'll, we'll win or the game. Or hand it off to him. Yeah, either way. Yeah. Yeah. So, and we just haven't seemed to find that guy. So and I'm hoping thought- that if we do go by committee or something like that, somebody just establishes themselves as being that guy. Yeah, yeah. I think it's tough in an eight-game schedule, though. You don't have any warm-ups to find that out. You don't have any cupcakes right away. You know, you don't have Middle Tennessee State to figure that out. So, and I think we all thought Nico Collins was going to be that guy this year. So it'll be interesting to see, you know, how that pans out on the receivers too. Um, and so I'll go back to, to you know the strongest position group. I actually think, and we're going to talk about this later in the pod too. I actually think it's going to be the D line. Um, I think this D-line is going to absolutely carry the defense. Um, I think that there's going to be some other holes in the defense that we've actually talked about already and we'll probably talk about later too. And so it's like the D-line is going to be the make it or break it for uh, for Don Brown this year. Um, and did we, did we want to go – did we talk about our weakest thing yet or did we want to go back around? I didn't mention mine. I'm going to go right, with go the – I'd go corner probably – I know whoever said that earlier, is that's kind of a hot pick, but um, I do have some concern. I like Mike Zordich as both a person, a Philly guy, and a, uh, I'm not from Philly, but he's got a great <laughs> accent. And, uh, <laughs> um, you know, he's developed a ton of talent there. But at the same time, Vince Gray to me was solid last year as kind of that third corner. I don't know if he's ready to step up into that number one spot. We hear those names, Jamon Green. Um, DJ Turner, Jalen Perry, but 
we, we haven't seen those guys on the field. So for me, that's the number one concern. I w- you know, I don't want to go with the weakness word maybe, but I'd say the number one concern right now is who's going to be that guy who's going to be lined up at some point against Rashad Bateman in 12 days. Um, you know, you probably want to shadow him with a Vince Gray or even Dax Hill, depending on how you want to move him around. But at some point, that second corner is going to be matched up with Rashad Bateman. Do you trust him? I'm not sure I'm there yet. Clayton, I'm, I'm with you. I think it's uh, I, I do think the secondary will be one of the biggest positive surprises this year because it is, I mean, it's a big question mark, right? Like the question marks are the secondary and the O-line just because we don't really know what we're getting with those positions. Every other one that we believe to be strong, we know exactly what we've seen and we, and we like it. So I'm with you on the secondary, man. I mean, I do have a lot of faith in Vince Gray. I think he's going to be a stud this year. Um, I'm excited to see what Dax Hill can do in his sophomore season. Uh, it could be, I think it'd be nice if we could see him at safety and DB splitting time with, you know, with Brad Hawkins out there. Um, and some of these freshmen that come in in safety, Jordan Morant, all these guys, like we hear a little bit of hype about them. Maybe they'll get some playing time and Dax will be able to move to corner or, you know, vice versa, whatever they think is best. I think there's a lot of talent in that room, um, but it's just the development. I mean, are, are they ready to play at D1 level? So I'm with you as that is the biggest concern for sure. I'm, I am so scared for game one when Tanner Morgan sees whoever that corner is, he's going to call a hot route when he sees that new corner on Rashad Bateman, and they're going to go deep like three different times, and it could be a K.J. Hamler situation against Penn State last year where they just they beat us on three plays, you know, and so they, they the defense can play really, really well for 97% of the game, but those three plays end up in touchdowns and Rashad Bateman ends up with 300 yards and, and you know, three TDs. And so I'm really concerned about that. I think Don Brown's probably waking up in the middle of the night thinking that too, you know, with that, with the cold sweat. So hopefully he can figure that out. I, I actually think that, and and this isn't no hot take either, but I think the old line is probably the weakest position that we have. I trust in Ed Warner, but, to be to get four guys ready, you know, in this situation what, that he's been in, he hasn't been able to get them like a ton of reps. Obviously, they've been practicing now, but like all summer and no spring practice, all this stuff. Thankfully, Jalen Mayfield's back, but I don't. I think people underestimate how important that line is for a new quarterback to be comfortable back in the pocket. And so, for Joe Milton, he needs to like, especially in game one, he needs to not be running for his life from the get go. So if he can be comfortable in the pocket, he will do well. If the O-line doesn't do well in the first quarter or second quarter, uh, first half, whatever whatever you want to say of the Minnesota game, he could get uncomfortable and start, you know, running for his life like Shea did a little bit. But, you know, he would, you know, get out of the pocket way too early, not go, to, not go through his reads. Um, he might go down. He might, you know, start throwing into coverage, that stuff. So I think – the weakest position could be the uh, O-line, and it, and it might be the most important position to Michigan's success. Any thoughts on that? I think you're right on the money, honestly. I mean, if the line isn't up to snuff, uh, I mean, Joe Milton, like I was saying before, doesn't have a wealth of experience, right? Right. So it's very easy for QBs to kind of get the happy feet, start trying to make things happen. Uh, especially a guy like Joe, who's got a rocket arm like that, right? I could see him yeah. trying to force a pass. Uh, so I think that's a huge concern and very valid. I think you're you're spot on, especially with the early in the game stuff, because 
So we got a guy, Doug Skeen, over at the Wolverine, uh, who's our analyst. You know, he's former Michigan All-Big Ten offensive lineman. He won five Big Ten championships. Um, and one of the things he always says is you got to keep your quarterback's jersey clean early in a game, especially a guy who's making his first start. Like you said, if it's the first quarter and there's guys flooding through that offensive line and getting after Milton, he's going to force a couple balls. We've actually already seen that early in his career when he came in. Um, he's thrown a couple picks. I know those are in garbage time late in the game, but yeah. um, you don't want things to go awry for him early. So keep him clean. Keep the pocket clean. Let him make those decisions. We hear so much about how much better he's gotten making those decisions and understanding the progressions. Let him do that. The offensive line is going to be huge, especially early in that game. Yeah, and, and there's something to say for him making those decisions, and he, maybe he's improved in that in practice. Until you're in TCF Bank Stadium, yes. even without a crowd, the the music's going. The you know it's it's 38 degrees and windy. You know things change. So we got to keep his jersey clean. That's for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, all right. Well, um, that was that was pretty good on on uh, the position groups. Let's move on to our second down topic here. Um, so the NFL is scrambling right now absolutely in like they don't know what to do there's a couple teams um you know the titans and the who is it titans and bills i believe are playing on tuesday night now um the uh, i know the chiefs the patriots are like scrambling as well for i don't everyone's like positive for covid and (laughs) everyone's they don't know what to do um games are getting postponed left and right and all this stuff how do you guys think that the big 10 you know michigan has done really well with the, with the covid tests and keeping people pot or keeping people people negative how do you guys think it's going to go when we get you know after game one or week one of everybody everyone's now collided and traveled to different places and all that stuff you know maybe we're a couple weeks in do you see it going smoothly and like the nba bubble just did or do you think that we're probably going to have some postponed games jack we'll start with you well i think you brought up bringing up the nba bubble is great we're not in that scenario right like we it can't be controlled you can't control anything that's going on the kids are going back to campus and then playing teams from another campus across the country so I'm sure games are going to get postponed. I feel like there's no way to control that they won't. We've already seen it within, you know, two weeks, three weeks of the college football season. Now, granted, that's down south where things don't seem to be taken as precautionary as they are up north. Um, but I think I think it's bound to happen. All it takes is one case, right, to spread through the team. Um, if there was a bubble type situation, that would be awesome. But again, we're talking about college kids, so um, it's not really something we can do. We'll see, man. We'll see. <laughs> I mean, it's tough with eight weeks. You don't have any bye weeks. It's, I don't know. It'll be tough. Hopefully, everybody can stay clean, but I don't see it happening. I think that there's two different things working here um, that's different than the NFL. One of them is that these are college kids on college campuses, uh, as you guys mentioned. So you know, they're going to say that they're going right from the building home. Uh, They go from virtual class, which they can do from what their apartment or their dorm or the football building. Um, And then they go home. But as we all know, I mean, those are college kids that have lives outside of football, even though they're busy. Um, So I think some of them, and I think like you said, Michigan's done a great job with this. 
Um, so they're going to continue to do a good job. But um, again, it's just tough on a college campus. And as you mentioned, it can spread. Um, but the other thing working in their favor that's different than the NFL is that the Big Ten. So I was mad that the Big Ten uh, canceled the season at first. Um, but one thing that I give them credit for is they actually did find some sort of solution to bring it back. And that was the rapid testing that they purchased. Um, so it's going to be daily, seven days a week. 15 minute results. So those kids are going to get tested. They're going to be sitting there. They can't go any further in that building until they're negative for COVID. Um, So it's going to be a little more of a bubble than the NFL. If you remember a couple weeks ago or what last week um, with the lions where the saints had a guy on the plane, find out he was positive from his test from I think Thursday or Friday. So they had to wait for the results. So, and then Stefan Gilmore the other day, for the Patriots, it was like, oh, they found out he was positive, so they had to shut everything down again. And he's like in Pat Mahomes' mouth. <laughs> right. Michigan's going to find out right away, and same with these other Big Ten teams, but I agree. There's going to be postponements. There's no margin for error with the nine games in nine weeks, if you count the, the last week. So um, it's going to be interesting, man. It could be an absolute disaster, but uh, either way, I think it's the right right choice to try, especially given the age of these kids. But don't discount the fact that um, these are 15 minute rapid tests. So I think it's going to be safer than uh, people are thinking And the NFL comparison is apples to oranges just in that respect. But again, they're on college campuses and you know, they don't have families to go back to. They have friends at different dorms and apartments and we all know how that goes. Yeah, I think, I think that's a good point. I didn't know about the 15 minute rapid testing and that does make me a lot more comfortable. So, so uh, I, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if games got canceled here or there. Uh, I mean, you know, there's there's no telling what could happen. So um, I'm just going to, you know, cross my fingers and hope that we make it through the eight-game season and play every game. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, here's how I see this going down is State will somehow get their game with Penn State canceled or something, and then Michigan will have to play every game except for Rutgers or something like that. Like, <laughs> that's just how life goes for a yep. Michigan fan and for an Ohio State fan. They'll catch some break where, like, you know, Justin Fields tests negative for or test positive for one week, but they like get it get and it's against Penn State, but they get it canceled or something. He's back. He's back the next week. Like that's just how life goes. <laughs> I mean, they'll, they'll put a bunch of false positives out there to make sure the game's canceled. Exactly. Exactly. Like that's, I don't, I know, no, even though Urban Meyer's not the coach there, he's like behind that all somehow. So. <laughs> Only thing is we can't have that Michigan state game canceled because they can't be off the hook like that. I mean, exactly. Automatic W. We got to keep that yeah. going. Yeah. <laughs> Halloween's going to be a haunted house for, for the Spartans. Here Ooh. In the house. He's been so, saving that one. I have been. I have been. <laughs> <clears throat> um, all right. Yeah. I, I think that it's going to be – it's just – it's so tough because it is college kids. They're not getting paid, and they're 18, 19, 20, 21 years old. Like, we all know what we were like at that age. You know, you know. I'm sure there's not much keeping these guys from going over to a girl's dorm or something. Like, it's just so tough. And especially, like, I think about the Halloween game. You know, how many MSU students are going to be on campus, you know, in Ann Arbor? Like, holy shit, it's going to be a madhouse. And so 
these guys, you expect, you know, after a night game against Michigan State when they beat the shit out of them, they're just going to go back home when all they can hear passing their window is, like, girls partying and guys partying. It's like, uh, I don't – I just – not. <laughs> I trust Michigan. You know, I trust Michigan student-athletes. I just don't trust any college kid of that age to, like, have that much willpower. <laughs> so, Especially Michigan State, yeah. Yeah, there you go. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> the fighting Mike D'Antonio's. <laughs> I miss that guy. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, all right. Um, let's move on then to our third down topic here. Um, so w- we've done some some different previews of some different um, uh, position groups. We haven't done one in a while, but now that we're we're pretty close to the season, let's do a little preview of the D line. So. Um, I know actually our, our guy, Brandon Brown put out a good article on the, uh, on the defensive groups, um, today too. So, um, check that out, but, um, let's start with, uh, Clayton here. You got a little preview of what, of who, uh, who we should keep a watch on, on the defensive line. Yeah. And I should have said this when we were talking about strongest position groups. Um, if D end was just a position group, which I guess you could kind of consider it as, I mean, that's the strongest on the team. Yeah. For sure. So you got Quiddy Pay and Aiden Hutchinson there. Aiden Hutchinson, bigger, stronger, faster than last season from everything that we've been hearing. And then Quiddy Pay is the number one freak in college football. I think he's going to have yeah. a huge year. Uh, he talked to the media last week on a Zoom call, and he was saying, you know, I didn't come back just to say I'm coming back and then back out at the last second when everyone's opting out. He's back to win a championship. I know it might be far-fetched to some people. We're used to the you know, 10 and two, I know this year, what, eight and two or whatever it would be. But the guys in that building are serious about winning, including Quiddy Pay. So I think the two DNs rock solid. Um, keep an eye on Chris Hinton kind of at that defensive tackle spot, the three technique. He's going to be very good, in my opinion. I thought he started to come on at the end of last year, played a little bit high. But, you know, I think they're going to coach him up and, and he'll have a big year. Um, I talked to his trainer, actually, who trained him all of quarantine um, and he said they're aiming for six sacks this year, which would be incredible out of a D tackle. Also, oh, that yeah. was before we knew it was it was a ten or a nine game season. But um, so I think Chris, Still, if you got if you got yeah. even just you know three, that'd be a big D tackle. Exactly. And then at, at nose tackle, Carlo Kemp, and um, he he gets a little bit of criticism I think from people. He's not playing his natural position. He didn't come in as a a nose guard. I mean, by any means he came in as, you know, more of a linebacker pass rusher type guy. Um, but I think he's going to be rock solid as well. So solid would be my, would be my take on the defensive line. Um, and then explosive on the ends, but you can't discount the fact that Carlo Kemp's a fifth year. He knows exactly what he's doing. Don Brown loves the way he, I mean, he raves about Carlo Kemp, the way he can take on double teams and things like that inside. So I love Carlo Kemp in there. It's not, you know, again, the big, hot topic is they need more D tackles and they certainly do, especially in recruiting. Um, But right now I think they're solid. The future, they got to keep recruiting defensive tackles, but with Carlo Kemp there for a fifth year, I'm excited about the D line. I'm not too worried about what's going to happen. I don't think they're going to get pushed around like they did against Wisconsin and Ohio state on Alabama in that second half last year. So excited. I mean, Aiden Hutchinson, he can play himself into the first round if he wants and same with Quiddy pay. For sure. Yeah. And then at that D line, like you said, at D end, we're very strong with Hutchinson and Pay coming back. Can't forget about Luigi Villain. 
who's a guy who's hopefully he can stay healthy for an entire year. Um, having Carlo Kemp, even just as a leader, as a fifth-year senior um, at the D-tackle position to coach up the guys like Hinton and Mozzie Smith, who are two highly talented recruits coming in. And it's only going to be their sophomore year this coming year. So like you said, uh, Clayton, Chris Hinton, had a, he was getting playing time last year and he seemed to come on a little bit at the end. We didn't see a lot about Mozzie Smith. And I'm really excited to see what he, what kind of playing time he gets this season, and if he can really kind of show out. He'd be an X factor for sure. Um, Sean Nua said last week that he came in at 350 uh, last year when he came in as a freshman. Now he's 310, 315. He's he called him a freaking beast was ex- exact quote. So that could oh, be yeah. coach speak again. Like a D line coach is always gonna. Like, that's a position group where you're always going to call every guy a beast, basically. So I'll believe it when I see it. Uh, Mozzie Smith would be an X factor. A guy like Donovan Jeter, who he's another I'll believe it when I see it guy because he's gotten preseason hype before, would be a big X factor. They like Jess Spate, who has earned his scholarship for sure. He started the bowl game uh, when Carlo Kemp was out. So the depth is not as big of an issue as it was last year, in my opinion, which is huge. Yeah, I, I think that, I mean, you guys have talked about, what, seven, eight guys already? You know, that's pretty good when we're highlighting, um, you know, seven, eight guys and not like, I feel like there's been times in the past years where we're like, yeah, by the sixth guy, you're like kind of stretching and going to a guy that has never really had any playing time or like freshman um, that has some some hype or something like that, but like, there's like seriously eight guys that have either played or and done well or have not panned out yet, and they people like Sean Nua or Don Brown think that they could come into their own this year. So I'm excited about those guys. Um, I, I really do think this is going to be the strongest uh, position group on the team, as I said before, and I think that there's it's very very important because. If the D line can do its own and bring pressure to the quarterback without having to bring the linebackers on blitzes all the time, that means those linebackers can stay back and help that secondary, which obviously we've talked about as a as a weaker group. So the D line is very, very important to this defense. And so if they can run with four-man fronts and still get pressure um, without having to send a, a linebacker every play or something like that, I mean, that changes everything for Don Brown's defense. And so he's going to have to be maybe a little bit more cautious and not just like sending guys, uh, you know, every single every single down or something like that. But it'll be interesting to see how he handles that and he adjusts. I really think, you know, I almost said this as like my my most important position group, but Don Brown, in my opinion, in the defensive coaching staff, is the most important position group because they're going to have to make some changes. Not only obviously have they struggled in the past against good teams, but they're just going to have to make some changes because he's had lockdown corners in the past that can handle being one-on-one all the time. He's not going to have that. So he's going to have to drop back some guys in the, uh, in the, in the secondary and hopefully that helps, you know? And so these, as good as these D line, you know, D linemen, should be or could be let's make sure that they can they can carry the load you know before we get we get going here mm-hmm. Kalen, you got anything else 
I'm really just curious about some of the question mark guys, right? I mean, Jack, I think you brought up Luigi Villain. And then uh, the guy who's always struck my curiosity is Julius Welshoff. Like, I heard that he was such a freak, and I'm like, man, I want to see this guy on the field. So I'm just curious to see if those guys get some playing time this year and then how they play. Yeah, and Welshoff actually moved inside to tackle this year. So apparently he's huge, and yeah, like you said, there's been – talk of him I want to see it on the field too and I think they realize they need some of that depth to step up uh Justin I was actually talking to your cousin Craig uh about that for an article earlier this summer well it's not even summer anymore as he said but um and he basically said they got worn down um you know as a former D lineman he said they got worn down towards the end of last year you could tell it's been the same thing a couple years ago without that depth so depth is going to be massive. Julius Welshoff's a guy I forgot to name earlier, to be honest. And it's again, it's good that there's guys that are going to be like big time um, possibilities for this team or a guy that could emerge that I forgot to mention. So that's that's a good thing. <laughs> yeah, and I, and I think the Mozzie, in my opinion, like the Mozzie Smiths and the Chris Hintons are so important. We haven't had we like. I feel like the 300-pound D tackles have not been thriving in Don Brown's defense. Um, you know, you look back on Mo, Mo Hurst. I how many other guys can you name that have been like just domination inside? And so that's where I feel like we get pushed around sometimes. Um, and maybe I'm forgetting some. So you know, name them if you if you have them. But um, I, I just think that as far like our DNs in the past have dominated Chase Winovich and you, you know Uche and other guys, and then like the the middle. I think about Wisconsin is like you just get pushed around in the middle, and and there's gigantic holes sometimes. So I think those guys coming into their own is pretty important. So mm-hmm. all right, um, anything else on the D line before we move on to our zero to nineties? All right, cool. All right. Clayton, you got you know what we do here for the zero to nineties. Yeah, kind of give a take here for nineties. Yeah, absolutely. So, okay. all right. So hold on, hold on. We gotta, we gotta. <laughs> he's a listener, so he, uh, I, know, I, I we appreciate this. it. Yeah. Yeah. So, all right. So, um, you want to go first or do you want to go last? It's up to you. I feel like, I feel like you got to go last, just to yeah, just to let savor me... the yeah, <laughs> give I'll the people what they want. You know, save like... the best for last. I can already tell you, mine's not gonna be good. <laughs> we got to end on a good one. I know he's got a good one already. I'm oh, ready. Yeah. I'm ready. All right, Jack, your zero to 90 starts now. Oh, shit. Well, all right. I'm not ready, but um, 38 degrees, 20 mile per hour winds. I'm saying Joe Milton will have at least two touchdown passes against Minnesota over 50 plus yards. Wow. Whoa. Pull so that he's one just, out of my he's ass. just like superhuman. <laughs> he, so I've been told. Sources say he throws the football so hard that twenty mile per hour wind gusts don't even change the course of the football. I, I was going more so at his back. Oh, okay. okay. But <laughs> but we can say at his face too. That works for me. <laughs> I think he can throw it fifty yards and uh, with the wind in his face. Dude, hey. I'll take touchdowns no matter what. So exactly. Yeah. exactly. I like to think I can throw a football probably about 45 yards. I could probably throw it 20 yards with 20 mile an hour winds in my face. Maybe. I don't, I don't think so. I mean, you were a pitcher. You were a pitcher. You got a. You got an arm. But you're also washed up. So. <laughs> Very. That's an understatement. 
<laughs> All right, Caitlin, you ready? That was like that. That was a zero to ten seconds. You did. <laughs> nice. I did not come prepared at all. Yeah. All right. Yeah, I'm ready. Caitlin, yeah. your zero to ninety starts now. Okay. This is not particularly a hot take, but I watched the Red River game, and it was so sloppy. I was like scratching my head and jumping off my chair. But uh, I I thought that they would not be sloppy because they had so much time to prepare for the season. So I'm thinking that when we start seeing some of these Big Ten games, we're going to see a hell of a lot of sloppy-ass play. So I expect every game we play up to maybe game eight to be hella sloppy. Up until game eight, the last game of the season? (laughs) Hey, hey and then we're going to be against Ohio State. That's all it yeah, matters. Right? Right now. Ohio State. We're going to be clicking on all cylinders by that. It's a big time Dooner. Yeah. Dooner. Oh, big Dooner. <laughs> all right. Who's got me? I'll go first and then we'll end with Clayton. All right. Thanks, guys. Cool. Yeah, okay. I was just waiting for Kalen. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Oh, Jesus. All right, bro. Here, 0 to 90 starts now. All right, so everyone's talking about Joe Milton's arm, but it is going to be 38 degrees, and the wind gusts are going to be, you know, high. So Joe Milton is going to end up with in game one against Minnesota with more rushing touchdowns than he does passing touchdowns. And that's not going to be a bad thing. We're going to be running, running the ball as much as possible and doing the QB load. He might be scrambling a little bit. It's going to be a Cam Newton type uh, type performance where he ends up running the ball more than he does throwing. Okay. I like that. I like that too. It's a great take. Thank you guys. I appreciate that. You're so nice. <laughs> Positive vibes. <laughs> Positive vibes only. Now the one we've all been waiting for. All right. Now the pressure's on. This better be good. I'm nervous. <laughs> I'm nervous. Yeah. All right, Clayton. Your zero to ninety starts now. Okay, so it's been a weird year. 2020, everyone talks about it. Once 2021 comes, we'll be good. But 2020 sucks. Um, We had the season canceled. Now it's back. Um, Who is the one coach that has been having his guys practice throughout the entire thing? They practiced right after the decision came down. I'm a Jim Harbaugh guy. I've been a Jim Harbaugh defender, um, which I think in my eyes is, is... kind of obvious in a way uh but we could you know we could go in depth on that but i said this on our site we did a little round table uh on saturday and i said coaching is going to be more important this year than ever um you know who has their team ready who has their team the most prepared and jim harbaugh has been harping on that they're going to be as prepared as possible so that if their opportunity comes they're ready you'd rather have that than you know your opportunity come in or you know you're ready and your opportunity never comes that makes sense. So, um, like I said, I'm a Jim Harbaugh guy. I think coaching is going to be huge this year, especially in game one. And that's kind of why I have Michigan um, as the winner of that game. I think Minnesota is a really good team, but I'm not buying the row of the boat. Uh, I'm going to buy Jim Harbaugh having his team ready for this game, especially Hell on the yeah. defensive side of the ball. Uh, especially, yeah. <laughs> and I think, the, I think guys like Giles Jackson – and those guys of the world, they're ready to break out. They're going to be ready for game one. Let's drink some Kool-Aid. But uh, Jim Harbaugh, Jim Harbaugh, and Jim we trust. He's back. I like that. And that's a good point, too. You, like you said, he he's had him practicing, you know, ready for the season to start in September and continued that all the way through 
the first game October 24th. So they've had a lot of time to practice and kind of get their schemes together and everybody work together. Not always been in pads, but still, you're around your teammates, you're around the guys you're working with. Uh, I think I think you're right there. It'll make a big difference. I'm curious to see how that plays out, game one. Yeah. <laughs> I I also wanted to say, you you were talking about it like right away, about how it's going to look. You couldn't imagine kind of how it's going to look at, in 12 days. Yeah. But I tweeted this out the other day. Like, imagine number zero is back to receive the kick to start in TCF Bank Stadium. Yeah. They're looking clean and crisp in those whites. Joe Milton's on the sideline looking fucking huge. Just <laughs> jacked out of his mind. I got chills. And, oh, God. He's going to be looking so sweet when he comes on. You know, he's throwing the ball. They got the... Chris Fowler and Herb Street are talking about him. Oh, man. God, I've got chills already. I am so ready for that. And maybe Giles Jackson just takes it to the house. You never know. Right. Okay? You do know. You We've do know. We've seen it before. <laughs> We've seen it before. We have. So you're I going have... on record. Is he going to take it to the house? He's taking it to the house. Okay. <laughs> He's taking it to the house. I like he that. Might, he right. might, honestly, he might, like, let up on the five-yard line so Joe Milton can run it in for a five-yard touchdown. <laughs> Ooh. <laughs> yeah, a little, little I know they, they're listeners, so they they want to make my predictions come true. So, yeah. <laughs> He's been playing as himself in Madden or whatever, right? Gets up to the goal line and, like, starts running to the side. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Oh, man. All right, well, we we absolutely talked ourselves from being not ready, really not knowing what it is, to, like, we're ready for game time right now. It's like, if kickoff was now, we'd all be, we'd, we'd all be pumped. But, um, all right, hey, Clayton, uh, plug yourself here. Um, on Twitter, you are? At CSAFE23, C-S-A-Y-F-2-3. Uh, then at the Wolverine.com, we're the rivals site for Michigan. Um, so yeah, lots of stuff over there. If you guys want to subscribe, you guys too, but all the listeners, uh, if you want to subscribe to the Wolverine.com, use promo code blue 60, you get two months for free. Uh, so make sure to do that good stuff over there. We got Chris Ballas, Austin Fox, uh, John Borton, EJ Hollins, our recruiting guru. Uh, so lots of good stuff over there. Now, thanks for having me for you. We're, we're happy to have you on. Question for you. Now, if we yeah. use code uh, BLUE90, does that get us 90% off plus three months free? Just we should curious. have oh. a – I should have come prepared with a special promo code. <laughs> should have. <laughs> should have. Yeah. Next time. We'll have you back on. <laughs> Sounds great, yeah. All right, perfect. Well, uh, go follow Clayton. Go read his stuff at the uh, thewolverine.com. Check us out at uh, BlueBy90 on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook, as well as on YouTube, uh, at the Blue by or what is it, Blue by Ninety Podcast? I don't know. Who knows? <laughs> Go check it out. We have a podcast, right? We I think we do a podcast sometimes. So if you have a an hour or two a week, check us out. Um, we're gonna have some good guests coming up here and give you some more uh, content for uh, this upcoming season. So thanks and go blue. Go, go blue. blue. Go blue. <laughs>